My name is Danny, and I play in a band called Output 111. Cold Waves of Comfort was the name of an album that I had worked on for the past three or four years. Oh,
Got it. All right. Great. Um, so yeah, let's. What do hi, oh. hi Ollie. What you, <laughs> hi Danny. Uh, what did you think of the song? Uh, yeah, the music. I loved it. It's just kind of like throughout it, I was getting different like memories coming up. Like I kept having the most random memories of a of a trip I went to uh, to Spain. And like the villas that were there and like the beautiful old buildings and like winding alleyways. And so the music was reminding me a lot of, of those memories. And um, the vocals were awesome too. Oh, thanks. Like, did you? Yeah, was that, that was you. Uh, yeah, yeah, this was. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was one that uh, I don't think my bandmates played on this one, but there are oh. different recordings from as far back as 2013 um, and as recent as two or three days before I send it off to you. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I liked the parts that were more like crunchy sounding too. I don't know how to describe which parts. I, it was like the, the beginning middle section. <laughs> there was like a really crunchy part. I don't know if that's- I think I know what you're talking about because <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of the pieces more delicate than stuff we've done on the show. Um, yeah. And I think you're referring to I wanted to try and record something that sounded like jazz bass, like a like Charles Mingus, um, yeah. but I don't have one of those upright basses. I wanted to see if I could emulate the uh, the like sort of tactile nature of like mm -hmm. plucking string on an on an upright, um, and it didn't work. It sounded awful. Um, but throwing on like layers of overdrive and distortion and uh, chopping it up and reversing it over itself had that sort of demonic synthesizer crunchy tone that I was like yeah, yeah. yeah put some contrast in this yeah it had some like old world and new world vibes going on which I particularly like so I think the combination is really cool and yeah the demonic demonic overtones is nice I also I had to like I had to look up what syncophant means oh sycophant sycophant yeah I know how to say words uh, <laughs> um, I had to look up what it means because I've heard it before, but I just couldn't remember. And uh, while I was reading the, I don't know if you actually said this, but let me pull up what it said. Oh, uh, a servile self-seeking flatterer. But right when I was reading self-seeking, it sounded like you saying the word self-seeking. I don't know if you did, but I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool. It was, it was like, whatever it was, whatever you were saying, it sounded perfectly in sync with self-seeking oh cool i guess i yeah. don't think that's in any of the lyrics but it's a fun cosmic coincidence yeah out of the memories um were they predominantly like location based like bringing you back to the the space and wandering through or was it of like a particular moment or activity more the spaces uh mm -hmm. when i was staying in i want to say it was granada or alhambra um, it's these like medieval towns in Spain. They're really beautiful. And there's all these um, somewhat steep, often pretty steep, winding cobblestone roads. And they're like one lane. People try to drive both ways anyway, which is wild. But um, they're just really gorgeous and they just wind everywhere. And I spent a lot of time that I was traveling with a group of people who were little obnoxious to travel with so I um, would take a lot of breaks and go walk around and I would just like get a coffee at one of the little cafes and then I would just like start walking these winding streets and sometimes it would get to be like you know nightfall and um the the vibe from the daytime wandering the streets to the nighttime wandering the streets is what I was thinking about with the with the song because it seemed like there were kind of both vibes going on there there was like a more like upbeat and then it would get like really dark and kind of yeah just remind me of like wet cobblestone streets streets in uh alhambra at night so there's a there's a sample in there that i used a few times just as a kind of connected tissue mm -hmm. um just to help it flow a little bit it was uh it's it's a sound of water but it's uh i live by lake ontario and it was i think it was March or February of this year, my partner and I were walking along the lake shore and it already completely frozen over. Like you could walk over to the median. Cool. Um, and people were taking their dogs there and you can see little duck prints. It was actually like really endearing. But <laughs> as the weather started to get warm, it cracked up and started breaking. And the more powerful waves were pushing it 
up against the shore and it was creating this like crystalline kind of sound as the cool. eyes. yeah so I was like I, I wanted to find an episode to really just like use that texture mm-hmm. um um so I'm happy with this track so that like yeah I was just that was, that was such a cool fucking thing to to see it was like a very bright snowy otherwise freezing day and just yeah finally getting to use that sample was like, yeah <laughs> hell yeah yeah. Yeah, I got the the watery bits to it and cool. it really added to the texture. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your stuff. Yeah. I'm going to keep this efficient. All right, so I'm going to share my screen. I like your corgi mug. Oh, thanks. Really good. Do you have a corgi? No, um Yeah. <laughs> it's even better if you don't have a corgi. You just <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wait. We don't need to see this. It's just a recording thing. I like it. Thank you. Ah. Yeah, this is the this is the one. I think this is the first one of yours that I saw. Cool. Um, if you could just take us back to like what you remember of painting it. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so I have an obsession with painting houses on people's heads, and I didn't know where it came from for a long time. And then I realized. Um, so when I was little, uh, my mom and my brother and I were homeless, like semi often. And whenever I'd start getting kind of like down about it, you know, like toddler, toddler Olive would be like, oh man, this is lame. (laughs) My mom would be like, no, we have a home. Like we're our own homes. And so I think like over time without even realizing it, I got obsessed with this like symbolism of like carrying, like physically carrying a house on your head. Mm -hmm. Because I, whenever she would say that, I would imagine like like little people living inside my head, like looking out my eyes, like windows. And I'd be like, oh, my, my house is, or my head is a house, <laughs> and, which wasn't exactly what she meant, but you know, toddler version, I just took it and ran with it. Um, so I think th- it also just looks really beautiful mm-hmm. and it kind of like denotes, you know, a really vivid imagination and, uh, and you're, you know, you're, you are your own home. So yeah. And then the rib cage, I just thought looked cool. It kind of looks like a chandelier. Yeah. I noticed that <laughs> almost like, I didn't a, mean it. Like a, it looks like that or almost like, um, like a tiered cake. There's some, yeah, totally. What? Like actually one of the things that I think, I know it's kind of weird cause it's not the focus of the piece, but, um, when it comes to texture of, of the painting, like areas that have like significant more red or row and other parts that, um, the brush becomes more visible more more substantial because of yeah like a lack of that and I, I, i'm gonna ask this just because i have no real understanding of of painting and visual arts um is there is there is there something purposeful about that or is there uh is that like a heightened thing is it to draw the eye or is there like a uh i'm like pointing at the screen as if you can see me i'm like you mean these parts um <laughs> so, <laughs> do you mean like where the red kind of gathers on the side of the face and leads to that like little blue the little blue circles yeah there and I, there's kind of like this orbiting um oh you can see my mouse right yeah i can yeah like this kind of orbiting feature off to the the subject's left like there's there's an intense redness yeah it there's something that i just find very very drawing of deep reds cool. and being sucked into um being drawn into the depth of color especially when contrasted with like very subtle I, I, like i'm not sure if this is lightly painted or if white was added to it afterwards but yeah it was just lightly painted over with a bunch of water um kind of like a like a watercolor okay. version but it was acrylic I think it was an accident that I got the red on that side, but I do like it. It's an accident, but then at the end it's intentional because I'm like a, I'm a crazy person for detail, like even little detail, even when it looks messy, I'm like, I know it's there. (laughs) And I'm like, so I, this, this red part here, it wasn't, um, or this red part where your mouse is, it wasn't intentional, Okay. but, um, but I liked it. And I think it balanced out the piece and where the circles are. I just like putting orbs in paintings, but it also, I felt like it added a cool balance as well to the piece that it has like nifty little orbs everywhere. Absolutely. Like it's not overwhelming in, in what you're looking at, but it, it's, it draws you to a real point. That's, that was, it's gorgeous. And evidently a lot of people thought so. I think you said not long afterwards that it sold out almost instantly. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the, one of the handful of pieces that I kept trying to like start my Etsy shop. And I'd put up a piece, be like, okay, I have a piece up. And I was like, I'm going to put more pieces up soon, but then it would sell. And so I kept selling at my shop within like five minutes, which was really cool. But now I'm like not advertising that I have pieces up and I'm slowly putting together an actual shop. (laughs) So Yeah. You have um, 
quite a few prints and shirts up there now, right? Yeah, I'm making prints, which I, I've just been planning on making prints and I just hadn't. I was, uh, when I was selling this piece and like a few others, I was clearing out some old stuff I had in my studio that I love them mm-hmm. and I had kept them, but at a certain point you have to let your <laughs> children go free in the world. <laughs> and so I was, I was just clearing out some paintings and um, now I'm working on some really big ones. I don't know if you can see that huge painting there. There's like a person or a figure kind of in the center with like a red yeah. face. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I wish I could like take my webcam and show you, but um, I'm doing like a series of paintings that are like three feet tall. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's cool. So it's hidden by the sun reflection, but um, they're going to be cool. I, I have this one covered in elect. Um, it's like copper electrical tape. Oh, and instead of doing gold leaf on it, I did this like tape, which is all fun and games until I've my, the tips of my fingers look like I've just been cutting them with little razors. (laughs) I didn't realize it would do that, but um, also on the picture you had up before, I'm looking to see where it is, but there's a rune in there. I usually put runes in my paintings and right now I cannot, like, I know runes and I can't think of what this rune is called. Oh, the Hagalas for you so right in the neck oh yeah yeah so it means hail literally but it's um catastrophes crisis radical change acceptance (laughs) surrender and opportunity so it's basically like um it's if everything is destroyed but you still can see like opportunities from the wreckage I don't know why I put it there it was mostly because it fit but usually then it like I usually just sort of subconsciously start throwing things into paintings and then at the end I, I interpret it I'm like my own psychologist. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I, it kind of worked with the theme of, you know, carrying your home on your head, being homeless as a kid and just like creating something good out of like a crisis. It's, it feels like an especially hopeful piece. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like to think all my pieces are like, they have a dark edge because I like, I like it to have a little dark edge. Life isn't as beautiful without, you know, a little dark edge to it. Um, but in the end, like life is pretty damn cool too. So I think all of my pieces kind of reflect that hopeful vibe. And there's a little person in the window. You can see little. little oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that until you said that. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a little guy just hanging out. <laughs> all right, cool. I'm going to pull up the second one, which I think is a more recent piece. I'm excited to see what you picked. A lot of time has passed, I think, since I saw this one, so I'm not sure if it's actually the most recent, but the self-portrait. Oh, that is actually, like, last week, so not a lot, not a long time has passed. Oh, God, man, this week's been crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> feels like 84 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my self-portrait, holy shit, I haven't done a self-portrait in, like, since I was 21, which was uh, longer than I will explain <laughs> ago. <laughs> I feel like a lot of my paintings have to do with some level of homelessness. <laughs> so when I was older and I was uh, 16 to 20, I was also homeless, but this time San- Sand's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, developed this, like, while I was out on my own, I was like 17, 16 to 19, something like that. I ha- So I had a, like, what I was explaining on Twitter is I had a skin condition and it was like from 13 to 14 years old to like, 19 years old. And I was homeless for most of that time, which I didn't add in there because I didn't want to like get into that. But, um, it was, it was horrible. (laughs) I was like, my skin was swollen. Like my face was like poofy everywhere. And like, I won't get into it because I don't want to gross people out, but it was just like, like welts the size of like a fist all over my, and some of them were in my head. And so my hair was falling out. It was like a whole thing. I looked like a Lord of the Rings character and people would come up to me and like, you know, be like, Oh my God, I know this doctor that can maybe help you. And by the way, I was working retail at this time too. And people would come up while I was trying to sell them things and be like, let me give you like my doctor's information. It was it was so embarrassing and just traumatizing in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, and because I was, you know, I was homeless at this time, so I couldn't really, I didn't have the funds to get help for it. I finally did go to a doctor and she, pres- she prescribed me an antibiotic, but it was the wrong one. So it made it like way worse. Oh, and, um, yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> it was not, 
people are talk about, you know, their teenage years being so cool. And I'm like, I'm never, I'm never going back. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> um, it kind of affected how I saw myself. It, it created a lot of like, I just, I didn't like seeing myself. And so I would not look in mirrors. Sometimes some days I, it was a little neurotic. I would like cover up my mirrors because I didn't want to see myself even on accident. Mm-hmm. And um, I started modeling when I was 19, which was literally just because I was still homeless. Somebody offered me some money to model. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, I think it was maybe $50 for like a whole day. And I was just like, yes, I can buy like 50 coffees with that. <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> then I realized I really liked it. And my skin just magically started getting better. And I grew my hair back out. And, you know, I moved to Portland, Oregon. And I started this whole career in modeling, which has become my my career, like what I do for a living now. And, um, you know, over time, you know, I worked through a lot of my self-esteem issues. I worked through a lot of my, um, uh, like facial dysmorphia stuff. Like I still, I still have it. I don't think it's something that it's like anxiety. It just kind of exists in a person. It's just how it works for the most part. Um, but I'm a lot more gentle with myself now than I used to be. You know, I was working in fashion in New York, um, in my early twenties and dealing with like, you know, this severe, weird dysmorphia where people were nice to me for the first time because I looked a certain way, but it was like, you know, just a few years prior to that, they had treated me very differently because I looked a certain way. So it was, it was, it's, it's funny, like being on both extremes of that, where people are like, Oh my God, like runway model, like, you know, like sweet talker, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, try to get, try to like, you, you know, be on her side. Like it was this weird popularity contest thing. And then on the other side of it, where people were like this weird sort of pitying thing that they would do and try to like get me to their doctor and, you know, would be grossed out if I got too close to them and stuff. Um, so that definitely created a bit of an issue in my head (laughs) as, as it would. Um, but this, this self-portrait, somebody commissioned me to do it. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, okay, I guess I'll do it. (laughs) But it took a long time. I kept, I have like six other portraits that I started and just didn't finish because I didn't know what to do. Like I was doing everything in my power to avoid sitting and staring at myself in a mirror while I painted the portrait. Um, just cause I don't like, I don't like doing that. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I finally just did. And it was like really dim in my studio. And I was like, fuck it. And I just like, Oh, can I swear on this podcast? Sorry. Oh, yeah. You can say anything. <laughs> okay. Freak it. Just kidding. Um, don't go Disney with your swearing. <laughs> yeah. The only rule is no Disney, no Disney swearing. Got it. Yeah. No Mormon. <laughs> It felt good because I I was actually like, you know what? I'm just going to do this as like a test. I'm just going to paint everything that I see about myself that I don't like. I'll even emphasize it a little bit, like whatever. And then I finished this painting and I was like, oh, I actually, I I was just painting exactly how I saw it. And I was like, oh, this is just kind of cute. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was kind of nice. It it showed me how far I've come of like, I used to be so hard on myself and, um, you know, just really think I was hideous. And, uh, and I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And so it was kind of, it was a neat portrait. It, it felt very, um, it felt like a lot of growth had happened and it kind of reminded me of that when I finished it. So yeah, it was good. (laughs) How was the, uh, how was the experience sharing it? Like one of the things that I was curious, I didn't, I didn't read the replies. um, They were all so nice. (laughs) Yeah, I was, cause I, I've, I've, I've gone through like not not the exact experience but versions of what you're talking about yeah like no one recommended me a doctor but some dude once when I was working customer service tried to get me to see like a doctor for anemia not understanding that most English people look like anemic <laughs> it was like I really think you need to consider this like, now we're born with a lack of iron and melon yeah um, it's so like you know, people, are, people have told me before, they're like, oh, they meant well. And I'm like, did they though? Because do you really just go up to strangers and recommend doctors and like, you're just doing it because you're nice. I, I think that like, that's bullshit. And I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like some kind of 
curiosity, like, I don't know, because I got it all the time from people. And I would say one of those people seemed like they were, you know, trying to help badly, but like the other hundred, whatever people like, no, you guys just wanted to talk to the person who had something wrong with them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of thing, like coming up to you to tell you that you should get help for anemia. It's like, what do they know? What are they talking about? Yeah, no, um, I, I, I got you. The weirdest one I got on that same job was, oh, redhead. Thought we got rid of you. Oh my and like, God. <laughs> he, was, he was with somebody and uh, I think it was a family member, maybe a, maybe like his adult daughter who was clearly frustrated with that kind of behavior. So as soon as he said that, she stormed off and I was like, lady, you got to protect me from this. <laughs> I don't know this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That was the weirdest fucking one. <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think I think the weirdest one that I got was this I was working at this like boutique in Salt Lake City and um this guy like held up the line to like have a very loud discussion with me about my acne (laughs) and everybody was like they were just looking at me they were like oh my god like I'm so sorry like this is awful and I was like yeah well do you want to check out and go because go go (laughs) and he was like I just I feel like we need to talk about this like you're a really nice person and I just want to it was like oh my god dude this is so embarrassing for you (laughs) I'm only here for a paycheck when people do post nice replies and it's usually like a combination of you're so brave or you're so you know you're so beautiful you're so brave thank you for sharing this what's what's your response to that like do you do you feel like it's in good faith do you get like annoyed you're like oh thanks whatever like how do you how do you feel that was that a response you thought of this piece I mean Twitter is such a funny beast you know um (laughs) you've got to be really like you've got to have like mental shields up before you go on Twitter like with (laughs) and say things because people will respond and they will try to find the the edgiest thing they could say you know what I mean so when people Mm -hmm. respond on my Twitter and they're just nice. I appreciate it. It's nice. I, I feel like it was hard to share that. <clears throat> it's, it's hard to share anything vulnerable, especially like, you know, social media. Like I said, it's it's a weird place. And um, yeah. I normally share v- very little, even when it seems like I'm sharing a lot. It's, it's actually like very little. And uh, mm-hmm. that was the first time where I was like, okay, I'm sharing something that's actually really near and dear to my heart and something that has been like, uh, has affected me for many, many years. And, um, I was prepared to get any kind of reaction because I think if you're going to be that vulnerable out loud in front of all, the whole Twitter verse, you need to like be prepared for people to laugh or make fun of you or make a meme out of it or something. And, right. um, the responses were all like, they were really nice and they were really kind. And I appreciated that. I thought it was cool. And it was neat to share something that was received by people. Well, um, so yeah. And I, I hope that like, you know, the reason I was sharing it, not to be like on a pedestal or anything, but I was hoping that like maybe people who their facial dysmorphia is not an unusual thing being a, you know, a, a person with a following. And I tend to only show photos where I look like my best or, you know, and so I, I think people kind of get the idea that when you're like that, you've always been like that. And there's no change there. And like, like modeling can like the idea of being attractive can seem like such a hopeless thing to people. And I just wanted to like tell people like, no, I, I was not, I wasn't in a place where I felt attractive and I still don't often a lot of the time, but like, what matters is that you love yourself anyway. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it's actually huge. Like being comfortable with yourself is a lot more important than being like whatever beauty standard is popular right now because they change every fucking five months five years five months five days who knows you know what I mean and and it's like impossible to keep up with it and it's scary when you try and um looking for that affirmation in like a social setting is terrifying and a lot of people fail at it and I did for many years like I wasn't considered pretty until you know I started getting in front of the camera and I just wanted to show people that like beauty and ugliness is such a multifaceted thing and hopefully if they have facial dysmorphia or body dysmorphia they can at least love themselves through it you know (laughs) it was a really deep thing to share on twitter but that's 
kind of what I was hoping to, to share with people. Um, you know, like I tend to cut a lot of the shit that I say on the show unless it's particularly stupid enough to sound funny. <laughs> Being able to answer or share like something that vulnerable um, in the moment, um, like in, as as, a, as much of a reaction as it is something that you felt deeply while sharing it, paying it, posting is really fucking hard. And, uh, you know, like in my own shit on this show, I've found my own sense of meaning tied to what I was doing with the, the music for this yeah. initially to now um, being very, very elastic, like entering it with purpose. Like this is what this means. This is why I'm doing it. And then being asked and having an entirely different answer just because of how I'm feeling that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would be the rambling section that I have for the, for today's episode. Ramble but, away. Yeah. I, um, no, I, I appreciate, I appreciate what you said. Like I, I think I think my initial reasoning for not wanting to read those comments is just from an, an innate sense of cynicism. Yeah. Oh, it's easy to have. Yeah. Seeing that kind of response to something in the past, you know, like sharing you're going to do something without having done it yet. Mm-hmm. And then somebody responds in such a way like, that's amazing. That's beautiful. You go do it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then you just never do it because you've already got the <laughs> yeah the reward and the satisfaction <laughs> from it. Um, I think that's probably what made me a bit more cynical to a response like that but no I appreciate what you're sharing and thank you for walking through that yeah I especially when it comes to sharing on social media I tend to like share it the less is better than more just because I feel like five times a day there's somebody on my feet and not saying that they can't or shouldn't do this there's somebody being like I have something vulnerable to share and then doing something that I feel like is very much an ego stroke for their themselves or it's like or it's like, you know, when people say that they're taking a break for their mental health from social media and then like five minutes later, they're back. They just wanted to say that. And so I feel like there's so much inauthenticity, inauthenticity, you know what I'm saying? Inauthenticity. <laughs> Thank you. Words again. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's so much of that on Twitter that um, it's hard to sift or Twitter, Twitter, it's whatever, the internet. Um, it's hard to sift through what is authentic and what is meaningful and actually being able to like accept it without being cynical when i when i'm saying something vulnerable on on the internet it's like with the realization that people are already kind of up to their limit of being able to like accept new emotional revelations and you just kind of like got to put it out there for yourself hopefully it helps people if you want it to it's like throwing a line out into the sea and having absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Once you do that, you could come back with a fucking fridge or a something that is not supposed to be in the sea. You know what I mean? That doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense what I just said, but in my head, it made sense. <laughs> I had a moment on Thursday and I read through and uh, was it Voyage LA piece? Oh yeah. Uh, How that was a while ago. There were a couple of things that I was interested in. And one of them was when you talked about moving back to LA from Utah after your mom's passing. I mean, it's, it seems as though that you felt like a different person entirely. Yeah. Work that was previously exciting became draining. Parties lost their appeal. Spoke of changing from wanting to, I don't know if glamour is the right word, but like having a certain idea of an exciting life to seeking out more genuine connection. Mm-hmm. Not long after the article came out, that became next to impossible to pull off because um, that came out in like August of last year, I th- or not last year, 2019. Yeah. And pretending as though like the last 20 months didn't happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think our brains are just willing to erase that time period. Um, but I was curious, like or how, how different or similar do you feel from from that general idea? Like it seemed like in 2019, it would have presumably been easier to seek out those connections or at least seek them in a more physical, tangible space. Yeah. Good question. It's a really good question. Um, Thank you. I tried. Hell yeah. Good job. Yeah. 20. So my mom died, uh, 2018 and, uh, she was my best friend and I was also her hospice nurse. So, um, that was like crazy still going to, I'm going to be going to therapy about that the rest of my life. But, um, you know, it was really hard and it made me realize like, like I had been, you know, so involved in like 
meeting all the most interesting people, meeting most affluent people, meeting like going out and having adventures and like dressing up and like getting drunk and, you know, all this stuff. And it was really fun. Like, I'm so glad I did it. Like, especially when I joined um, the porn industry and um, I kind of like had my 15 minutes of fame, you know, and I, I was going to like red carpets of red carpet events every other day. It felt like, and I was always like buying gowns for whatever thing and having like people media, like talking to me. And it felt very like special and very fun. And I, I think I didn't stop drinking, (laughs) like drinking and wearing big dresses for like two years. And I think I needed it at that time too. I needed to like, feel that like, it, it was so fun to feel so just like free and uh interesting all the time you know I was going through my little rock star moment and um if I had carried it on longer it would have gotten pretty superficial I think I think how I was doing it was authentic and fun and and did deepen my life but um but I see what that lifestyle does to people who do it too long and it gets old real fast and then it becomes like a weird old mask that you carry around so yeah I I took time off to go and take care of my mom kind of in the midst of all that. And, uh, I mean, being face to face very intimately with a beloved family member dying and just death in general and like watching death happen, it kind of makes you, it changes how like my brain changed. I like, it's literally not the same brain that I had before. Pretty sure it's like, uh, changed a lot of the neural channels and a lot of the, how the, how things work up there. And, um, you know, I got back from, from taking care of her and I was thinking I would just like, I was so excited just to hop right back into it. I was, I just wanted to be free and kind of tipsy all the time and go back to like having that fun free existence where somewhat selfish, where it was just me being, you know, and I I just, I couldn't get there. I just wasn't the same. It, It felt really hollow. And what used to make me happy, uh, would make me like have breakdowns. (laughs) It was, it was not, I started having like pretty bad panic attacks, like, um, in, in overwhelming social situations. Like if I was doing, you know, some big red carpet event, it, it turned into like a little hellscape for me where I just couldn't wait to get away. And, um, the people that I was surrounding myself with who were all like famous, whatever, you know, they were, they were fine, but a lot of them were really toxic and their, uh, their interesting, fun part of themselves became less inviting. And the toxic traits started like showing up to me more because I I wanted, and it wasn't their fault. It was that I wanted more of like a connection to people. And I wanted to be around people that I loved. And that after, you know, seeing death like that, I, I, I was just like a lot of that stuff, a lot of the partying and being interesting for interesting sake and um, not really connecting with people in a deep way. It felt just really sad. (laughs) So I started distancing myself and, you know, I lost a lot of friends and I think they're still probably confused where and why I went, which, you know, I feel for them, but um, I just had to seek out something that was more grounded. And I, I think I found it. It took a long time and I'm still kind of like shaken out parts of my life. Like, you know, when they shake out like gold from one of those sifters, I'm just still kind of like shaking out like the parts that don't work anymore and like finding the parts that are really meaningful. And it was stressful for a long time because after a traumatic event, all you want is to get back to your old self, but your old self literally doesn't exist anymore. So I, I, I started accepting that and just finding out what makes me happy. And a lot of it's like, you know, I, I stay home with, um, the people that I love and my cat and my paintings and, Um, I have, what makes me happy now is a lot more personal space and a, a a lot fewer friends and who, who mean a lot to me. And yeah, it's, it's hard to get to that place. And it's hard saying goodbye to friendships that are no longer serving you and things like that, but you just gotta go where you need to go. (laughs) So, and I actually think that COVID helped that because all of a sudden, you know, social events weren't like something we did for a while and so you kind of had to turn inward and find what made you happy on your own and uh that forced me to look at a lot of my habits and interactions and start questioning things and making changes you you announced recently that you're also handling your own bookings too like it seems like even you're still you're still able to take 
a significant amount of control over your life. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, I left my agency and I've been I had been with my agency for like a decade almost. <laughs> so long. And um you know, I had outgrown the need for an agency. And uh they are so amazing and they've been so supportive and um it was I was ready for a change. So, yeah, doing it myself now as of last Monday or something. I don't know. I I don't know what time is anymore. COVID ruined that. I no longer have a sense of time. <laughs> but I think it was um, last <laughs> Monday. Uh, what day is it today? Saturday. Monday, Monday. It was this Monday. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it feels really good. Go going indie. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot more. Like when I got into modeling, I was doing like a lot of sort of indie, like fun, creative zany art projects and like a lot of you know more fetishy like on the on the adult side of things I was doing more like cool fetishy stuff so I'm getting back to that mm -hmm. it'll be fun back to my roots well I do have another thing to screen share with yeah um I assume you're aware of this but I saw this the other day and I was actually curious if this is something that you were tied to or not but you familiar with Handsome Devil? Oh my God. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, I think it's really fun and cool. Uh, my friend Hex, who is uh, a musician in Montreal, um, they shared this with me uh, a couple months ago. Like not, not, not this particular video, but just Handsome Devil and the yeah, shows that- Yeah, so uh, talented. Yeah. This, so this is, this is based off of your Joan of Arc piece, right? Okay. So I had a friend hit me up, send this to me and was like, is this you? Because I have that Joan of Arc photo that was based off the painting of Joan of Arc. Um, and I don't know, I hit up the artist and I was, I didn't want to seem like aggressive, like, is this based off me? That's not like how I intended it. It was like, <laughs> look at this. It's so crazy. Like, look at this painting and look at your puppet. Like, it's awesome. Um, and they didn't respond. And I hope I didn't come off like, I don't know, artists, you know, it can be kind of funny with like copying things. And I didn't want to make them feel like I was saying they were but I'm also like pretty sure this is based off of my photo. It'd be so cool if it was, um, but I have no idea if they intentionally did that. They could have just been basing it off of the painting, which looks very similar um, as well. But yeah, I, I'm i sort of just taking that as my doppelganger because it's, it's a badass <laughs> puppet. And uh, I, would be, I would be super honored if it was inspired in any way by the photo I did with Alan Amato. And we, we used like real armor and for that too it was like a full-on we worked really hard on that on those shots so how long ago was that uh that would have been 20 <clears throat> 2019 yeah oh, okay how, how how was it wearing the armor heavy <laughs> <laughs> it was really heavy it was um made by sword and stone armory in la and they're super talented they do like game of thrones and uh they did like I want to say they helped on like army of darkness and stuff too. They did a ton of movies. They provide like some props and some background and, and then all obviously armor. Yeah. Like in any big Hollywood film where you see armor, it's probably them. Um, if it's real, I guess Alan, the photographer just knew these guys and we went to their shop and picked out the armor. Their shop is insane. By the way, it, like I walked in and was just like, <laughs> Just my eyes melted out of my head. I just wanted to like touch everything. Um, and they showed us like where they make it and they had a full forge in the back. They gave us this one suit that fit me because most of them were made for like big burly dudes and they didn't have like one of the, the arms. So you, there's like, you know, you can see my arm in one of the shots or in all of the shots um, because it didn't have like the full outfit for me, but uh yeah, I loved it. I have this video of me like standing. They had to put it on me while I was standing on set because it was so hard to walk around and it was so creaky. And there's this like video of me just like waving at the camera and it's like, grr, grr, grr. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, God, it must have been like, like 200 pounds armor. <laughs> yeah, it was really neat. If you ever have a chance to try on armor, do it. And then when you take it off, you'll be like, I never need to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember reading this article about um, this like English, no, this Viking in full armor in like the 1100s who his ship sank and he swam the entire English canal um, and then survived. And I'm just thinking like, 
the armor that he was wearing, it was probably heavier than what I was wearing. And I would never be able to swim in something like that. And so just like, anyway, that's just a tangent. I'm just rambling, no, but going, like the going. idea of like these like old Viking and English dudes wearing their like full armor and then like swimming anywhere, let alone the entire English channel is, I can't imagine, they must've been so strong. I could lift the sword. That was the one thing I could do. Oh, really? oh shit. Uh, I remember the Viking yeah. exhibit um, that came to the ROM and there was like a section, lift the sword. And uh, it felt like there was yeah. the tip. It felt like the tip was nailed down. Cause like you just pick it. Like, <laughs> Come on, I, I've done some deltas. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, the, the old Viking and knights and stuff were like, they died young and they were almost always drunk. And I'm like, the I guess maybe if you're a certain amount of drunk, you could do that. But God forbid they ever sober up. <laughs> I guess that's when they died. <laughs> I was actually going to ask if the, the tourists that you said before, that you're the folks you were touring with who were obnoxious. I was like, oh, the English. Uh, no, but that would work with them because uh, one of them, their partner is English. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's not too far off. The uh, English tourism, I think it was the English tourism ministry. Um, I heard this on another show. Uh, that I listened to way too religiously and I've become a fucking reply guy on Twitter for their, for their house nerd, but uh, do it. Be the reply yeah. guy. I I'm the reply guy for many people. So yeah. <laughs> it's good. Just lean into Just it. Keep going with it. Eventually. <laughs> Just keep going. The, uh, the British ministry released this thing um, because they were getting complaints from other E at the time, other EU uh, countries. And they actually sent out these coasters into, and I don't know if it was a particular country that did this or a like across the EU, but they had coasters printed in English that says, please do not be a dick because of the complaints <laughs> that the these these towns and countries have sent back to the British embassy about drunken assholes. English people, like whenever I've, I've gone to England a few times, mostly for work. And then I'll have like a little vacation time period then too. People will be like, We'll be in the middle of shooting and I don't drink on set. I don't really drink anymore at all, but I, I definitely don't drink when I'm shooting, especially when it's porn. That just seems like a bad mixture of things. And um, they'd be like, <laughs> um, I was saying that they would just like take breaks for like lunch and just like go get a beer at the pub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. And yeah, God, whales, it's got everywhere. They're, they all drink so much there. Yeah, it's. Like there, there, there is like this sense of romanticism with the, you know, England and like, I imagine you might, you might feel it sometimes because I've noticed like some, some elements of like uh, folklore that seems to be tied to like Nordic or, or um, the British Isles in your work. Mm -hmm. But um, there's like, the, there's the beauty of the hills completely contrasted yeah. with the predominantly round red faced men who are <laughs> belligerently <laughs> drunk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so my family, uh, like, you know, if you go far back enough, not very far back, but they're all Scottish and there's a lot of Scott. And, uh, so I decided to go to Scotland, um, in 2018, the beginning of 2018, I think late 2017, something like that. And I rented a cabin in the Highlands for myself and, um, would like, just went by myself would walk into town and um you know I would stop I stopped by the pub one time first of all this town was very small and the people were like like not only is this random girl but like this random American girl like the the hell is she doing here <laughs> and so I walk into the pub and it's all these like burly old Scots and like all these dudes and dudes is in like old Scottish men which I don't know if that I should call them dudes that seems not fitting yeah he's like like old guys at the bar just like pounding scottish beers and i went in and they were like they were like you want to drink it's like how old are you and i was like i'm like i was like 27 or something and i was like i i'm old enough to be here like <laughs> so i show my id and then i was like i'll have like um you know like a pint i think is the it's a normal cup is a pint mm. and um i always forget and they were like the guys behind the bar and, and like sitting at the bar looked at me and they're like, no, I, I, I was like, you're not, 
you're not going to serve me. And they gave me this little tiny cup of beer and they were just like, this is what you get. Like, that's all you get. And I think they were like afraid of me getting drunk, but the Scottish people can be a little bit grumpy, Mm. but then you go to England and they're like, Oh, you want a little bit of beer? And they'll give you like a growler. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) Uh, just before the pandemic, uh, McCarter and I went to, um, we went, we actually went for, uh, for a funeral, but, um, we were in London for a night. So it was the first, I reached out to one of my cousins um, and I hadn't seen any of my family on my mother's side for well over 16 years, partially because she passed away when I was like very little. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually we just sort of drifted apart after I like, you know, stopped being the age of which I would travel overseas with my father and brother. Right. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, it must've been 30 or 31. They wanted to know where to go, and um, we were like, Are there any good Ethiopian places? Um, and my, my yeah, no, Ethiopian is fucking awesome, so good. Um, they didn't know what to order either, so like, oh, we'll just have the lamb and this spinach thing. And they had this massive injara, like it was massive plate of injara, with, oh, yeah. yeah, with like a like a thing of lamb and like a thing of something else, and it wasn't very colorful. And my partner was like, Hey, do you have any, like, whatever you have that's like vegan friendly, can you just put it on this, this, uh, like, can you serve us that? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. And he gets it. And we get this massive injara platter that's so colorful and like has lentil in one section and like potato. And okay. it was, uh, it was beautiful. Um, and they were overwhelmingly disappointed. Bring it back to the whole drinking thing. Um, we, they had a couple of beer at dinner and I think, I think I stuck to water. I'm the shortest of my cousins. I'm only about five. I'm just shy of five eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two cousins that I met up with were six three and six five each. Very tall. Yeah, it was quite. It was really upsetting when, like, I realized how tall <laughs> I was going to be because I was like, you know, one day <laughs> be, be eye level with you. And the most I got was nipple. <laughs> we went. We went to one bar in. I think King's Cross Station has like a like a massive hotel there. Yeah. We went to like a really like posh chic place and got like really nice cocktails that you know, my partner and I were savoring, like we're both compared to the cousins, short, skinny people. <laughs> so we're like, let's savor this and uh we got to fly tomorrow, no tummy aches. Yeah. Um, oh they, god, flying with hangover. The worst. Yeah. Um, they down theirs within a matter of seconds and we're just patiently waiting for us to like, oh, we're going to go somewhere else now. Yeah, it's going to be good. And uh, end up taking us to like an underground station. I can't remember exactly which one because there's, there's like a billion. And in Toronto, we have like 20. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's, there are like these turrets at the entry point to the, to the underground station. And each mm-hmm. one of them had a bar. Um, and you can go huh. to the top, yeah, you go to the top of the turret and there's a bathroom, um, which I, you know, I don't want to be in that, in that bar when the plumbing like breaks down. Cause it's just going to go right <laughs> one inside. <laughs> yeah. Like I just want, I just want to have one beer and I wanted to have one that like had flavor to it, which is a challenge to find in England, Scotland. Apparently they're a lot better at like adding flavors to beer, but, uh, oh. yeah, I don't know why, but my cousins came yeah. out each, they each had a round of beer and a bottle of wine and I had to like try and explain to them how quickly wine through moves through my system also mixing wine and beer Ooh, that's a bold it's a bold move yeah I mean they they, they have like fried food at breakfast like every morning so they like so yeah. they, they know how to handle a hangover because it's <laughs> part of the routine yeah yeah that that sounds cool though the turret with bars and yeah, under, underground like, stations and it was cool to like go into this like i don't know 200 year old building that looks like stone cobble and shit mm-hmm. and surrounded by more modern or yeah i love that about old towns and just in europe in general and england has the same mm-hmm. thing where it's like you know it, there could be these buildings that were from like the 1600s and then and like in one of them they'll just have like stuck a subway like in the original building, they'll just like throw up like a sign that's like subway and make it into a, but it's, but it's like this ancient, incredible, like old structure that, you know, has like endless history and it'll be like, but you can also get a subway sandwich or like you can get, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's so funny how that works. And... All right, back in the, back in the radio Oh, voice. socials. Yeah. Yeah. Olive, where can people find you? <laughs> 
You can find me on Twitter as Glass Olive. You can find me on Instagram as Glass Olive. Um, you can find me on my OnlyFans as Olive Glass. And I think that's I think that's all. I think that's all I got. Etsy. Oh, you can find me on Etsy as um, Glass Spider LA, like Los Angeles. Glass Spider LA. Yeah, and I should have some really awesome stuff on my Etsy pretty soon here. I'm uh, making some like custom one-of-a-kind painted t-shirts and um I, I have like a whole line of shirts coming out i have like merchandise for my uh more adult themed stuff um and then i have you know my original paintings all sorts of things so i'm getting ready for a grand opening everybody's getting a 20 percent coupon <laughs> oh sick yeah <laughs> thank you so much for having me on the show though this is like really neat and just getting the opportunity to check out your music and talk about my art and stuff is that was really awesome. I was super excited yeah. to get your to get your email or your. Uh, well, thanks. You know, uh, I, that, that that feels really nice. Um, <laughs> and I, I really appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks a lot, all. All right. I'll talk to you later, Danny. Take care. See ya.